Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Okay, let's uh, pick up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're just going to read a few verses because I want to finish on this area. And what we were looking at last week is the, pardon me, the aspect of Christ coming as a thief in the night. So we'll just read a few verses to uh, refresh our memory here. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief, You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. You'll notice the uh, abiding three there, faith, hope, and love. All right, now just uh, very quickly to review what we covered last week. We uh, just uh, had cause to refer to the uh, film Thief in the Night and uh, some of the traditional things that I had to unlearn and a number of us here, I believe, on the secret rapture that Jesus could come any moment and then uh, planes would be going into chaos, car accidents would be taking place, husbands would disappear, wives would disappear and... Uh, machines at work, everything would just go wild and how we used to preach in Bendigo saying that if we weren't here next Sunday at the street meeting then Jesus would have come left you behind for the mark of the beast and so we didn't turn up but neither did Jesus and that's about 35 or 40 years ago now Uh, but at least uh, Thief in the Night did scare some people into the kingdom so it does have one advantage then we looked at uh, Paul's first verse in this chapter 5 here concerning the times and the seasons and we found together that the Ecclesiastes said to everything there's a time and a season to every purpose under heaven Uh, Jesus said about the signs of the times natural and spiritual and then he said it's not for you to know the times and the seasons as he's about to ascend to the Father but now Paul years later he receives revelation from the Lord and gives to the Thessalonian church uh, things concerning the times and the seasons now as I said We may not know the day nor the hour, but I do believe we will know the times and the seasons of the Lord's coming. Can you say amen to that? Then under our second point, we particularly, (coughs) pardon me, uh, took up the language of creation and uh, saw that Paul here, along with most of the writers of the Bible, uh, they used the language of creation, and the language of creation became the language of redemption, which was God's secret code for either hiding or either concealing or revealing truth according to the attitude of the listener. And we saw how Paul takes up uh, the language of creation here about day, uh, children of the light, children of the day, children of the night, and children of the darkness and characteristics. All right, now, we uh, finished on section A, section B, if I remember, Two of the scriptures teach that Christ will come as a thief in the night. What was our answer there? The answer was yes. Does everybody say yes on that? Everybody say yes, yes. I put all the scriptures concerning Jesus coming as a thief in the night. I've given you every reference in the New Testament there. 
And the answer is very clear that Jesus will come as a thief in the night. Let's move uh, quickly to section B. How and for what does a thief come? How and for what does a thief come? Okay, I've just put six very simple thoughts on the overhead here uh, for your fill-in. Number one, a thief comes when least expected. <coughs> he generally doesn't announce his coming. <coughs> we had our house broken into when we were in Portland, Oregon. And uh, as soon as we entered the door, my hair just sort of went up like that. It stood up on end, what was left of it. We knew somebody had been in the house and ransacked our house. It's a very nasty feeling. And, and he didn't even leave a note of thank you for all he stole. He didn't announce his coming. Positively rude. We couldn't even get fingerprints. He so was such a good thief if there's such a good thing as a good demon. So a, a, a thief comes when least expected. Number two, a thief comes unannounced. Number three, a thief comes secretly. Number four, a thief comes silently as possible. They generally don't blow trumpets and make a big noise. Shut the door, I'm coming through the window. Number five, they generally come in the darkness of the night. That's why I always leave a light on in my house in a different room. Please tell me to do that. Then one Christian said, you shouldn't do that. That's deceiving. I said, deceiving who? Well, it's deceiving the thief. How many think that's good policy? <coughs> so if you go to my house, just check which lights are, will you? <laughs> okay, number six. And the thief generally comes to take the most valuable, the valuables and the treasures in a house away. He generally doesn't come for junk. Have you ever seen a thief come for the trash in the rubbish can? <laughs> well, when Jesus comes back as a thief in the night, we're going to see in that next question who comes back as a thief too, but when Jesus comes back as a thief of the night, he's going to come when least expected. He's going to come unannounced, secretly, silently as possible. It's going to get noisy later on, by the way. Generally in the darkness of the night because of the children of the night, children of the kingdom, and he's going to take the best people away. The valuables and the treasures. How many think you're valuable to the Lord? All right. Now let's go to our question number C here. To whom will Christ come as a thief in the night? All right, the scriptures show that Christ will come as a thief in the night to the following groupings of earth's inhabitants. Now I want to just put this on the board. And I want you to look at these scriptures because uh, in studying these scriptures on Jesus coming as a thief in the night, I believe we have basically three groupings of people that are alive to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, will be around when Jesus Christ comes back the second time. All right, so we'll just put up here, just briefly, because you've got this on your note, coming of Christ as a thief, and we want to look at these three groupings. Okay, number one over here, and uh, I hope I've left enough space for you there on the bottom. Uh, then number two here, the second group, and then, of course, number three over here, which we're looking at. Now, let's go over to number one. And remember last week we said 
All the scriptures on Jesus coming as a thief in the night have to do with the, the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night and the Lord Jesus. So the day comes as a thief, the person comes as a thief. Now let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, chapter 3, pardon me, in verse 10. All right, so we're looking at the question, to whom will Christ come as a thief in the night? Okay, the scriptures show that Christ will come as a thief in the night to the following groupings of earth's inhabitants. Second Peter chapter 3, and we'll pick, up in, uh, we'll pick up in verse 8 just to lead into it. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So I think that's a very significant thing there. thousand years bringing us to ultimately the final thousand years, the seventh day, the day of rest, the millennial kingdom, I understand it to be. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, Lord, not willing, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth uh, also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. How are you going to get all this earth's present, cities and everything, into the millennial kingdom when they're all burnt up? Seeing all then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? All right, so first of all, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the emphasis here is the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So the day comes, all right, the period of time. Now back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, we've all uh, explored this reasonably thoroughly last week, but just to pick up the thoughts here that I want to encourage you to put under the groupings here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which we've just read. Okay, so in verses, um, just picking up the main thoughts. So, as we said last week, if you're looking for Jesus to come as a thief in the night, then you're in darkness. All right, so verse 2, you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So, 1 Thessalonians again repeats this, chapter 5 and verse 2, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they, whoever they are, they, so they, when they shall say peace and safety, then cometh, uh, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as uh, travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape, they and them. Now keep this in mind for when we get to the end of our subject tonight. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light, and children of the day, we are not of the night. So who, who, uh, who is the day of the Lord going to come as a thief in the night to? Those who are of the night. Right? And those that are of the darkness. In other words, the... The children of darkness, those in the kingdom of darkness, those the children of the night. Jesus is definitely coming 
as a thief in the night to them. When they least expected it, suddenly, secretly, unannounced, uh, in darkness, when they're in darkness, uh, he's going to come upon them as a thief in the night. And then in uh, verse 7, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. So those that are sleeping in the night, and those that are drunken in the night. All right, so summing all this up in one word, Jesus is going to come back as a thief in the night to all the unregenerate, all the unbelievers, the unsaved, all un, the unbelievers, the unsaved, the unregenerate, the unredeemed. Jesus is going to come back as a thief in the night to them. How many can say amen to that? Amen, is that true? Is it true or not? All right, now, let's go to the second grouping here. And um, this might rattle your cage a little bit, but that's all right if you get out of the cage. Let's go to, uh, first of all, Revelation chapter 16, the second scripture there. I'd like you to look at, uh, first of all. All right, so Revelation 16 and verse... Um, uh, correction on your note there, it should be verse 15. Okay, so Revelation 16, verse 15, I'm putting this first. Now, notice the warning. Jesus says, and remember, he's writing to the church, to the churches in Asia, to the church, and we'll see uh, more uh, the significance of this in a moment. Okay, behold, I come as a thief. Here the emphasis is here, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Of course, the day of the Lord won't come without the Lord coming either. But here, behold, I come as a thief. Now the exhortation, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And we'll put verses 1 through to 6 here. And though this uh, scripture, or this letter, is particularly uh, sent to the post office box of Sardis, let's read the whole context, and then I want to uh, just give you a little bit of history here that makes this very informative. Okay, Revelation chapter 3, And unto the angel, or to the messenger, to the senior minister, the angel of the church, the the, whoever he is, the angel of the church, certainly not angels, angelic beings, certainly the ministry of the church. Unto the ministry of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that you have a name, that you live, and art dead. Isn't that a nice letter to receive from Jesus? How many would like a letter from that? from Jesus like that. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd hate to think that Waverley has a name that is a live church but is dead. Wouldn't you? Can you say amen with me on this? See, so he's writing to the church. He's writing to a church. The church by the name of Sardis, which has several different interpretations, but remnant, remaining ones, those that escape, several different meanings to the name, so now he's writing to the church. He's not writing here to the unbeliever. They're going to definitely be caught. So he says, you have a name 
that you live, but you're dead. So here, Sardis, oh, that's a live church. But as Jesus, who's the doctor here, inspects the church, it has an external name for life, but it's spiritually dead, devoid of life. Writing to a dead church. Are there any dead churches around today? Is Waverley a dead church? Is it half dead? Is it half alive? <laughs> Is it live church? Do you think we could be more alive? Yeah, that's great. Hallelujah. All right. Now, listen. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Now, this church was a little bit like the... Um, the uh, the uh, man that fell among thieves said he, the uh, thieves come and robbed him and stripped him of his garment and left him half dead. Well, I don't feel that's too bad because if he's half dead, he's half alive. So this church wasn't totally dead, but there were some things that were still ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now we come to the punchline in verse 3. Remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Amazing how he's calling five out of seven churches to repent here. Five out of seven. And we've mentioned this many, many years ago. I'm frightened to think. Five parables out of the seven kingdom of heaven parables had mixture of good and evil in them. Five churches out of the seven here have mixture of good and evil in them and have to repent. Two parables only, there was no evil. Two churches here are not called to repent. And there's more than that than meets the ear. So remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. And notice the warning now. If therefore you do not watch... I will come on you as a thief. Wow. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So if therefore you do not watch, I will come upon thee as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now we said this last week, but let me repeat it again. The Bible, whenever you read the Bible, it's always full uh, by way of implication of what I refer to as the law of opposites. How many would believe that this is good biblical hermeneutics if I read it this way? Okay, if you do watch, I will not come on you as a thief, and you will know what hour I will come. How many think that's there by the law of opposites? Is that heresy? No? Are you breathing? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you haven't gone home. Are you there? Hello. <laughs> Don't leave me yet. When uh, we've got 15 minutes yet. Okay. All right. So the law of opposites is there. So on the negative side, if you do not watch, I will come on you as a thief, uh, and you will not know what hour I will come upon thee. But the opposite is true by the very law of opposites. If you do watch. He will not come to us as a thief, and we will know what hour he will come. In other words, that's just confirming what Paul said. The day of the Lord so comes as the thief in the night. But you brethren, you brethren, you church in Sardis? No. You, 
Brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So what I'm saying here is, I believe, and uh, we don't want to expand this too much here, but I believe that, uh, we'll just throw this in just for the sheer delight of it. I, I believe that in the church of Ephesus, and uh, what's next? Um, what is it? No, 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 no. Ephesus, Smyrna. Uh, yeah, Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, Pergamos, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, right. That in each of these churches, there is actually a church within the churches. And to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, overcomes what? There is actually a sevenfold condition that has to be overcome in each of the churches put together. There's a sevenfold condition. And out of that, comes what I believe is the overcomer church. Let's, let's put this here. So that there is actually a church within the churches. Now spiritually some people belong to Ephesus. They have left their first love, not lost it. Many times preachers say you've lost your first love. It doesn't say you've lost it. You've left it. Big difference between losing and leaving. And to the church at Smyrna, there's things there. There's some belong to that. There's some belong to Pergamos. Some belong to Thyatira. This is tremendous studies here. And as I've just sort of thrown you a seed out, the seven kingdom of heaven parables correspond with the seven churches here. Seven mystery kingdom parables. Seven mysteries, the seven candlesticks. Amazing. Uh, middle parable, middle church has a woman in it. Nothing against women here, but something interesting there. Okay. Sardis. Uh, and Philadelphia, Laodicea, if you don't repent of your lukewarmness, I'm going to spew you out. Tremendous warnings he's writing to the church, because judgment must begin at the house of God. So what I'm saying is that there is a church within the churches, and I believe that's true today. I believe as God looks down just on Melbourne, this is just metropolis alone, let alone the whole world, there is a church within the churches. There are those who are overcomers, and there are those who are being overcome. I want to be an overcomer. So I have to watch the sevenfold condition in this thing. And we don't want to get into that. That's an, another subject, but I hope you're seeing the picture here. All right, now, Sardis represents all those Christians who are in dead churches and are dead, who are unwatchful, and Jesus will come as a thief in the night to them. You say, what's going to happen to them? I'm going to give you that over the next page. All right. I don't think I need to put all over here, but on your third lot, I believe that the overcomer church, that church within the churches, will not be caught. And so Paul could write, say, using my language here, write to the overcoming church, or that church within the church, the ch that church within the churches, that, that day, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And the Lord will come as a thief in the night to the unregenerate, to the dead churches. But you, brethren, Thessalonica, and later on, uh, this will, I'll have to spend the night on this. It's very interesting that if Ephesus had left its first love, when we go to the church of Thessalonica, we're going to spend a night on this. This is the church in first love. You say, what is first love? And when you compare Ephesus and this on the ingredients of first love, it's, it's quite a remarkable thing. We'll spend a whole night on that. So, you brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief because you're a church in first love. 
don't beside us a dead church. So I believe that there is a church within the churches. I believe there are a lot of dead churches. I believe, I believe spiritually speaking, some people belong to Ephesus, some belong to Smyrna, some belong to Pergamos, some belong to Thyatira, some belong to Sardis, or Philadelphia, Laodicea. I personally would like to belong to the church of Philadelphia that had no fault recorded against it, the church of brotherly love. How many would like to belong to that church? A few of us. How many would like to belong to that church? All right, let's go over the page. All right, question number D now. What happens to the unprepared believer, okay? Now, we know what the condition of the world is, and we're going to, when we get into a little bit more order of events commencing next week, what's going to happen to all the unbelievers, the unregenerate, the unsaved, the unredeemed, when Jesus comes? Are you going to take them into a millennial kingdom to give them a second chance, or what? What does your Schofield say on that one? What's going to happen to this group? Okay, I want to give you some things what's going to happen to this group and what we can do to be in this group. Uh, you see, people say, oh, there's a bunch of heresy. I say, look, some of the sloppy stuff that's sent out today, oh, Jesus is coming back any moment and we'll all go up whether you're living grace or disgrace. I remember a minister actually told me once uh, when I used to be a Schofield man, who's dead and knows better now, uh, and I started to see some of these things. I said, you mean that when G if Jesus come back tonight, it doesn't matter where the believer is, he's just going to go up in the rapture? He said, yeah, I believe every Christian, regardless, whatever he's doing, uh, he's going to go up in the rapture because God's not going to divide his body, he's not going to leave any behind. So I, I said to this, I actually said to this, uh, 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 Nelly said a foolish gospel minister, full gospel minister, um, you mean if there's a dude over here, he's in the dance floor, or he's out in the theatre, Jesus is going to come back and say, excuse me, when you finish the dance at the disco, the rapture's on. <laughs> and when you finish this dirty murder film and the sexy film, the rapture's on. He said, yes, I do. Because he said, Jesus isn't going to leave anybody behind. I said, well, where do you get that in the Bible? All right, let's fill in some things. And all the information I'm giving you now, for the answers to the above, read carefully, noting the important points, the following scriptures. All right, let me give you your answers there. I do, I, I do need to say this, this thing before I move on here. Okay, about Sardis. I just, just come back to my mind. I'm going to read from my notes, uh, my exposition in the book of Revelation, which I've asked my wife to burn after I die lest they dig up my body and exhume me and throw my ashes from a jumbo jet on the Pacific. All right. <laughs> Sardis was once a rich and glorious city. I'd let you buy this part of my revelation anyway. It was some 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. It was also, one of the cap it was also once the capital of the ancient kingdom of Lydia in Asia Minor. The citadel of Sardis was located upon a plateau some 1,500 feet above the plain and built at the root of Mount Timolus, uh, which rose behind it. Around it uh, thus were precipitous sides and, to, and so steep were the walls that Croesus, the last king, omitted to guard it. The position of uh, Sardis was considerably considered impregnable. The city was continually harassed by bandits and thieves from the hills that the people needed to continually watch 
against these attacks. However, because of its seeming impregnable position, the people became careless and indifferent and relied upon their own apparent security. It was under Cyrus that the city fell. One of the Persian, Persian soldiers, seeing a Lydian descend by cut steps down one of uh, the sheer sides of a cliff, which had worn with the passing of a time to regain his helmet, noted the place and thus led a troop of Persian soldiers up the cliff under the darkness of night, and thus the city was surprised and taken. They came as a thief in the night, and because Silas was not watching, the city was uh, captured. The battlements were unguarded because the soldiers never dreamed that anyone could find a way up the sheer cliff. The Persians thus entered the fortress unopposed and Sardis was taken. The city also fell again in like manner under the campaigns of Antiochus about two centuries later. Thus, and then in AD 17 under Roman, Roman Emperor Tiberius, an earthquake destroyed the city as well as 11 other cities in Asia and uh, that was the end of that. And so the city had experienced Two collapses by the enemy coming as a thief in the night because the soldiers weren't watching. So the whole message to that city is very appropriate. Okay, let's go to our fill-in here. Uh, as, uh, what happens to the unprepared believer? Number one, which I've already given you, the Lord comes on him as a thief in the night or when he least expects. The Lord comes on him. Now, whatever all this means, I have some little ideas, I don't want to say them really, but whatever it means, and whatever any dead Christian likes to make it mean, it's, it's enough to frighten me and say, I want to be over here. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so number one, the Lord comes on him as a thief in the night. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And whatever these words mean, you can try and water them down, soften them, say they don't mean this, they mean something else, and try and make it easy and everything like that, but whatever it means. Luke chapter 12, and just uh, pick up in um, verse uh, 45. But and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, they're not writing to sinners now, my Lord delays his coming. Oh, Jesus isn't coming back as a thief in the night. He's not coming back in the secret raptures, I thought. Not coming back when I said he'd come back any moment. My Lord delays his coming and shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and be drunken. Oh, just like the sinners do. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour when he is not aware. Number two, you fill in and will cut him in sunder. What does it mean? He's talking about a believer. He'll cut him asunder, cut him in sunder, cut him off the margin, says. So number two, what happens to the unprepared believer? The Lord comes as a thief in the night, number one, and the Lord will cut him off, whatever that means. I don't know where you get your eternal security or whatever. Number three, and I'm just taking it straight from the scripture, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Oh, you mean some Christians who are servants of the Lord? So the Lord delays his coming and they begin to get drunken and beat, eat and beat the uh, servants and so forth. The Lord will cut him off and he'll appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Now, as I said, I have ideas what I think these things mean, but whatever they mean, they sound horrible to me. How many would say that? 
So you mean some believers are going to have their portion with the unbelievers? Oh, I thought they were eternally secure and everybody would go up. Not according to this. Well, it doesn't mean that. Well, what does it mean? Number four. Uh, let's go to verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, not writing about sinners here, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Now, how many would like to be beaten with stripes? Now, this is not for the sinner. This is about believers. So the Lord's going to come on him when he doesn't look for him. He's going to cut him in sunder. He's going to appoint him his portion with the unbelievers, and he's going to get stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of whom of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed more, much, of him they will ask the more. Now, whatever that means, but I've used my imagination on this, sanctified, that, you know, I mean, if I stand before the Lord, whatever this means, and before all the congregation, before everybody who knows KJC, and the Lord says, Kevin, did you do my will? Well, when I felt like it, you knew my will, and you didn't do not Bend over. So he takes off his belt, his girdle, and tells me, like I used to tell Mark, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I used to tell Mark, it's not the swish that hurts, it's a sudden stop. <laughs> and he was beaten with many stripes. How many think he hasn't turned out too bad? Huh? Oh, Roberts, I think it was, he used to say, my father believed in the stars and the stripes. He gave me the stripes and I saw the stars. <laughs> now, what do you think this means? Would you like to get your stripes for not doing the will of God? And even if you don't know the will of God, say, well, I didn't know the will of God. They didn't teach me much at Waverley. They gave sermonettes to Christianettes. Well, you get a few stripes. What does it mean? All right, number four. Number five. Once you go Matthew 24, and we'll have to finish on this, and we'll give you the next sheet out next week, but we will give you these other points here in the practical, because that clock just goes like clockwork. Matthew 24. Now, you tell me what these mean, but all I know is that I don't want to be with this bunch. I don't want to be the dead uh, church of Sardis. I want to be in the church of Thessalonica, a church that was in first love, which we'll explain later on. Okay, Matthew chapter 24 and uh, verse, verse uh, 42 to 51. You got that on your notes there. All right, let's pick up again because he adds another thought here. Uh, verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto him, he will make him ruler of all his goods. But, and if that evil servant, oh, you mean an evil servant? Christian, yet he could be an evil servant, shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, or just the same as Luke, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant, remember I'm reading from King James here, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, 
and shall cut him asunder. And listen to this, and this is number five here. Appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Wow, that hurts me. In Luke, he's going to get his portion with the unbelievers. But here, he's going to get his portion with the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? A mask wearer, one who wears the mask Sunday, Sunday by Sunday and goes through. Well, what does it mean to be, okay, you take your portion, get over with a bunch of hypocrites, and you hypocrites get over with the believers because I'm going to deal with you as I deal with them. But I'm eternally secure. Once in grace, always in grace, even if I live in disgrace. And then number six, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't like those scriptures. Do you? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, as I said, I have a few little ideas what that means. But just a surface reading of them, I don't want to be in a dead church. I want to be wait, waiting and watching and ready for the Lord, don't you? So that I am not caught as a thief. And we don't need to be caught as a thief, amen? Amen? amen. Are you all saved still? All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our time's up, the children are here. Father, we just pray that you'll take the word, let it fall upon the good ground of our hearts. We pray, Lord, that Waverly Christian Fellowship shall not be a church like Sardis, that we'll not be a dead church, Lord, but we'll be watchful and alive, and Lord, not be caught unawares with the things that are coming upon the face of the earth. God, we think of so many Christians who are in Sardis-type churches dead, and yet they think they are alive because of human activity and programs and everything like that, but devoid of spiritual life. Lord, may these lessons that we share together be practically applied to each of our lives and let your blessing be upon your people until we gather again in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access PDF downloads of all of Kevin Connor's books as well as his video training courses, including the Key of Knowledge Seminar and Foundations of Christian Doctrine.